The Outstanding Society was asked to provide a learning lounge at the residential and home care show held at the XL London in April 2023. We were very lucky to have such amazing panellists throughout the show, which made the sessions not only informative, but also fun. This podcast is a recording of one of our panel discussions. Death by Bingo. Ruth French and James Rycroft discuss reimagining activities in all care settings with Mandy Gallagher and Kath Howitt from Horizon Healthcare. Good morning, everyone. Very warm welcome to the Care Show and to the Outstanding Society's Learning Lounge. Really excited to see so many of you here today. My name is Ruth French. I'm one of the directors of the Outstanding Society, and I also run a group of elderly care homes in East Anglia. Just a little word about the Outstanding Society. If um, you're finding us for the first time today, a really warm welcome to you. We are a free-to-join group of people who are all here with the same aim, which is to encourage innovation, improvement and outstanding care across the social care sector. You will find loads of resources on our website. If you're interested in joining up and giving us your details today, uh, please talk to my colleague, Alan, who will give a little wave. (laughs) Thank you, Alan. Um, You will be able to find lots of information, regular webinars, podcasts, blogs, all sorts of ideas to help you improve your services, whatever your service is. So that's a little bit about us. Over the next couple of days, we've got loads of events going on here in the Learning Lounge. You can see our timetable coming up. Um, Anything from ideas around uh, food and nutrition and improving those in your services, uh, how to manage falls effectively, uh, infection control in your homes through the fabulous Vivaldi project. Um, So pick what's of interest to you and also come and see us tomorrow for the prove it or lose it session where we'll be helping you demonstrate to your inspectors how excellent your services are. So, quick word uh, introducing the uh, panelists here today. Over to you, James. Good morning all, welcome. Um, My name's James Rycroft and I'm one of the founders and uh, director of the Outstanding Society. Really pleased to see you all here. I also am the MD of Vida Healthcare. We're based in Yorkshire and we run uh, specialist care homes for people living with dementia. Uh, And as I say, the Outstanding Society uh, not to waffle on too much about this, but is, is, is a positive voice in social care. Uh, and the purpose of these uh, talks that we're having is not, is not a presentation, it's a discussion. So what we'd really like um, is, is for you to feed back and to, uh, and to be involved in that discussion. Do we have a roaming mic, Brad? Do we have a roaming mic? We do have one. So if, if anyone's got any questions as we go through this, please just stick your hand up and, and join in because as I say, it's a collaborative experience. It's not about us making a presentation to you all. Am I on? Yeah. Ah, yeah, so I'm Mandy Gallagher. I'm a service manager within Horizon Healthcare. We're based up in West Yorkshire. Uh, we support people with learning disabilities. We're quite small um, homes. So my home that I run is an eight-bed home. So our ages, ranges are between 17 and up to 75 so you can see it's quite a, a, a vast age group yeah 
Is that all right? Yeah, morning everybody. My name's Kath Howitt. I am the Learning and Development Manager for Horizon Healthcare Home. So I work with Mandy, Mandy's colleague of mine. Um, as Mandy mentioned, we are LD services. Um, I don't know if there's anybody here from LD or are you all from, oh, okay, lovely, brilliant. A couple of people, that's fantastic. Um, I think our approach to activities might be slightly different to in elderly care. Uh, and that's what we're here today to do, isn't it? To debate it and see if we can share some best practice. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, um, our talk today is entitled Death by Bingo. Why did we come up with that? I guess because it's really important to me that we start reimagining what activities in any kind of care setting look like. Um, I, I don't think um, we've gone anywhere near exploring this debate enough and I think what's really important is to start looking at how we can ensure that those people who are in our care provision, whether that's elderly, LD, whether that's um, DOM care provision, are they being supported to live their very best life and to find value and purpose from each day? Um, I'm not even sure that activities is the word that we should be using and we're not here today to give all of those answers, it is very much to begin that debate. And I think one of the things that has occurred to me is that within the last two years in the services that um, I provide, we have started to look much more closely at what activities actually means and the reason for that is um, we have opened a new type of setting, a memory centre, and this memory centre is run along the principles of uh, Montessori care for, um, for those who are living with memory loss, whether that is dementia, whether it might be um, brain injury, so it can be applicable to lots of different scenarios. We've moved completely away from the idea of having different roles for different staff, so we no longer have carers, activity coordinators, cleaners, we have homemakers and they live the day alongside those family members that they are caring for. And actually caring for isn't even the right term. They are caring with them and alongside them and helping them to get the most from each day. What it's made us realise is we don't need to move completely away from having an idea of what we might do to support people each day or, or what things they might enjoy. But we've been able to get a much broader idea of what activities might mean, um, right down to the fact of having much more of a self-service meal option, particularly around breakfasts, much more around thinking how we need to step back, stop doing everything for people because actually what we are terrible at in elderly care, in my view in particular, is people move into our services and we immediately start removing every sense of purpose from their life. We make their beds, we make their cup of tea, we butter their toast for them, and all of a sudden we've completely de-skilled those that we care for. So we're trying to reimagine this, and I think that's why this discussion is really important today, it's really good to see some nodding heads around the table. So it makes me feel that we're not alone in thinking that we need to start making some changes. Um, so James, from your point of view, 
how can we support much more kind of active and purposeful days for those who are in our care services? Well, we were talking earlier, and I'm, I'm quite passionate about this. So I, I, my services uh, are based in Yorkshire, and we look after people living with dementia and, and, and people all the way through their journey with dementia. And, and what we were saying as a team, actually, is, is that you know, it's all about individuals and what works for an individual. For me, uh, as an operator, I try and challenge our practices on a daily basis. And one area that I'm really not that happy with is our activities. I don't like the name, find it a bit patronizing, a bit camp entertainment, you know, as in let's everyone sit down and play bingo. It's not right for everyone. It's right for some people, but it's about disseminating across your demographic of resident what's right for each of those individuals. I think for me, what was the catalyst for this was um, I overheard a staff member say one of the worst things that a staff member in my world can say, which is, that's not my job. And it was a carer talking about carrying out an activity for a resident. And it made me think, we need to rethink here. We need to rethink, we need to reset. And it's about empowering the whole workforce, including laundry, housekeeping, ancillary workers, care workers, management, administration, that if there is a moment of opportunity to engage, let's train that workforce to speak that language. It's really, really important because what we're trying to do is create a home and carry on and enable people, not disable people. And, and often that disabled comes through total and utter kindness and love. It's what we're trying to do, yeah. but we're, we're kind of steering off. You guys are nodding because I know that, you know, we talked earlier and you're getting you're getting it right in my in my eyes. Why do you think you're getting it right? Why we talked about person-centered care and the overuse of that, but you're mm -hmm. doing it. Well, well, we are, yeah, and we start from day one really when we recruit staff. Ultimately, um, we don't have activity coordinators or activity planners. We have support staff, and they ultimately are there to support the people that live in our homes to live their very best lives possible. So their role covers engaging with people in a more sort of naturally natural way natural interaction um, intensive interaction to us that's all kind of part of activities but we're very very person-centered and we discussed that term didn't we because it is a bit bit of a buzz term it's thrown around quite a lot but do we always really make things really truly person-centered and i think in learning disability we have to because if we don't you know the downside is potentially challenging behavior so there's a link with positive behavior support as well but a lot of it comes from the staff understanding that being person-centered is part of their role and so therefore really getting to know each individual person that they support understanding their values understanding their likes and dislikes and making sure that they have the opportunity to participate in those things that they really care about and they're really passionate about. I don't know if you want to Yeah, add I think the most that. important thing to me as a service manager is when you get your staff team in, you're recruiting, and we're asking those value-based questions and in interview, what are we getting out of that? Are they going to fit into this team? Are they going to engage with the people that we support? And as soon as they come through that door on their first day, we're kind of putting that into their minds, natural interactions, natural interactions, intensive interactions. It's not all about activities. 
it's about them important conversations that we have as well and getting that all wrote down and what we've talked about and making them feel like you know they're having their choices and being listened to and it's all really important it's not just about going out uh, going bowling going out to the pub for your lunch which is all very very nice it's those little fluffy bits that's in the middle as well isn't it yeah, exactly. it's about having that time to spend with them yeah. and i think if you get your staff team on board mm -hmm. you've made it and that's where we start right from the beginning, right from interview. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think what we need to do is absolutely get away from this idea of having activities coordinators, having camp entertainers who are there for, you know, between two and four each afternoon to essentially put on a show for people. That is not how we live our lives normally. We all need to find value and purpose in our lives. And I think what we need, need to do as a sector is to start looking much more effectively at how we actually give risk back to those that we care for. So an example of this is um, Pat, who lives in one of my homes. Um, she wanted to do her own ironing. I mean, I can imagine hands being thrown up in horror in, in many care settings. Um, but we got out the ironing board and the iron for Pat. We set it up in her room. She chose the clothes that she wanted to iron. Her daughter um, actually wanted to stand there and support her. So Pat starts the ironing and Tina, her daughter, says, Mum, be careful of your fingers. Pat carries on. Mum, watch your fingers. Pat slams down the iron and said, Tina, these fingers have been on the ends of my hand for 87 years. I think I know where they are by now. And that is the point, isn't it? Actually, Pat could manage that risk. Now, it might be that her next-door neighbour can't manage that risk, but what she can do very effectively is support and do the washing up. Um, or she can pour milk on her cereal. All of these things, these tiny little things in our view, these build up into the picture of how someone is spending their day. Look, let's face it, we all like to go on holiday. Imagine that all-inclusive setup where everything is being done for you. You don't have to make your bed. You don't have to make your own cup of tea. Everything is done. That isn't real life. And if we all lived like that, pretty soon we wouldn't feel that we had that value or purpose. I think what you were saying, Kath, around how it can really positively impact people's behaviour, this yeah. all comes down to me around how people's self-worth. Yeah, yeah. So so what kind of things would, if you look at the LD setting, mm -hmm. what kind of lessons could we, some of us here who are in elderly care, learn from what's working effectively in your services? Um, I think, as I've said before, the key thing is really getting to know people on an individual level and to actually for staff to take the time to really get to know people on an individual level and identify what those um interests are what their likes and dislikes are what their abilities are i think one of the things that we get quite frustrated with when people are talking about learning disability or physical disability actually for that matter is when people focus on the word dis in the disability rather than focusing on 
ability and the things that you were sort of um, giving examples of there like buttering toast and things like that things that are quite basic really you know if somebody's got the ability to do that then they should be encouraged to do that we shouldn't be de-skilling de people we should be empowering them so that they feel like they've still got a level of control over their lives and that they've got the ability to make choices and decisions around how they live their lives. Um, and I think that's key ultimately, isn't it? That's what it boils down to. Green, another example. So in our homes, we've got, uh, our buildings are quite large buildings, but they're broken down into individual houses. And each of those houses are self-sufficient and they all have domestic kitchens in them. Because what we try and encourage is people to do those everyday things mm -hmm. that me and my partner at home might fight over and don't want to do the washing <laughs> up. But when it's taken away from you and you can't necessarily express that that's taken away from you, it takes part of everyday normal life away from you. And that's not acceptable. We need to be upskilling or enabling. And I was really interested, Mandy, when you were saying, because it's not just about you know, it's about flexibility, isn't it? And, and adapting to those individuals' needs on that day, in that moment. Absolutely. You know, if you had planned to go to the pub for lunch mm -hmm. and they don't want to go because that's their choice of that day, that's fine. They go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah do something and I think, else. I think that's really key as well, is, is flexibility and adapting. Going back to this buzzword of person-centred care, but the true meaning of it, you know, person-centred care has almost become a bit of a cliche in our industry. But the true meaning of it is fabulous. In fact, it's the foundation to, to yeah. great care because it's who we need to be. You know, when we live with our partner, the way that that relationship blossoms, look, I'm talking to myself here, um, <laughs> you know, is understanding and accepting other people's ways and needs. And that's how it becomes a, a, a synergy, isn't it? That's what we need to do with our residents. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So I, I think there are things that all of us can do. And it has started where I've seen what's worked effectively in the memory centre, it's made me think, well, actually, why can't we start that self-service breakfast option in some of our other homes? And I think the key for me has been start small. And sometimes it's been quite hard to get the staff on board. Um, so don't be too ambitious at the beginning. So in one of our homes last week, the manager said to me, well, We've, we're setting up self-service breakfast now. And we've got five or six residents who are coming down each morning out of about 30. I said, that's brilliant. That is a fantastic starting point. Let's build from that. Let's see what's working. Because those were all people who never used to leave their bedroom until 10 o'clock in the morning. Everything was brought to them on a tray. So already, this is a massive step forward. And then we're starting to think, well, actually, what capacity have we got in some of our homes to do what you've done, James? Could we set up a small kitchenette area in the dining room so people can just simply make themselves a cup of tea, put their own toast in when they want it? Even having, you know, snacking stations around the homes, these are all small things that we can do to encourage independence. I think it's really important, isn't it? You touched on it earlier, Ruth, is that... We live in a really risk-averse environment. A lot of the time, we're all a bit wary of taking these risks. And I don't think, I think we need to rethink that because all we do, I said to Ruth earlier, you know, with some of my residents that are living with advanced dementia, you know, the idea of, me, of them wanting to boil the kettle and make their own thing is too much of a risk. But Ruth immediately said, yes, but that's okay. 
They don't boil the kettle, but certainly they get the, t the cup yeah. and saucer. These tiny yeah. little things mm -hmm. which makes people feel valued, actually. Yeah. Pouring the milk in, essentially they've made that cup of tea, but we've taken away the real risk. But you need to look at these individual details and risk assess everything. And I don't mean necessarily write everything down, but, you know, it's a, I think that's one of the, the nuggets for me to take away is to let's 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 take some risks and let's definitely you know. I mean even such as in our services if people are in a wheelchair and they've got laundry to do we'll place the laundry basket on the knee and they'll carry their own laundry basket to the laundry room it's all those little things we'll even hoist them to the floor so that they can kneel on the floor and they'll put the washing into the washing machine themselves just so that they're encouraged to participate with the running of the home and they feel so empowered and they get so much out of it and then we'll do like a celebration post wow look at what you've achieved and this is fantastic mm. and then they want to achieve something else and let's move on to something else so let you know we, you put your washing in the washer let's then dry it let's then help to fold it up and get it all back in your basket and fresh and nice back into your wardrobe it's all those tiny little things isn't it that makes you feel and them feel really good and we feel good doing it as well mm -hmm. don't we but those tiny little things, as you say, lead to bigger things then yeah. because they do feel empowered, they have that sense of achievement, so they want to continue to learn new skills. And just coming back to what you were saying about risk, you know, it's kind of interesting. In Obviously, in LD, we have um, a very diverse range of people that we support. Some people have got really good capacity, other people don't. Some people have physical disabilities, some people don't. So for some of our people, you know, they're hopes and dreams that they want to achieve might be something like helping make a cup of tea for other people it might be they want to do a parachute jump and certainly we've had that you yeah know, <laughs> and we don't we never sort of say absolutely not we say if we can make this happen that we can control that risk um, or mitigate that risk as much as possible then absolutely you know we should do that so because if i sorry if i want to do a parachute jump I'll do it. Why should it be different yeah. for anybody right. else? I'm, I'm going to go back tomorrow and talk to my residents and see who wants to do a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, question from the floor. Thank you. Hi. Back to what Mandy was saying. When you are spe speaking to elderly and you're saying rewarding them and saying how well they're doing, how do you say that without making it patronising and uh, making them not feel like they're back to early years? Yeah, I think because we don't work with elderly, we're learning disabilities, so I think we'll have different kind of communication um, with the learning disabilities. But, I mean, we say it in a way, we're person-centred, we know their value-based, we know how to communicate with that person, we know, you know, if the name's Anthony, whether they want to be called Ant or Tony, or, you know, we know them as a person. And I think it's really important how we do speak to them, mm -hmm. you know, speak to them on a person-centred level, just like we're having this conversation. If they can understand how I'm communicating in that way, then we should be communicating that way. But if they get things and be encouraged by praise and you know, achieving, then we should be praising and achieving at the same time as well. It doesn't work for everybody, but definitely for some it does. I personally don't, I think things don't need to be said half the time. The very fact that you're enabling someone and putting someone in that mm. position is enough because they naturally feel, yeah. that's what we try and do is, is create an environment where people feel that they're, yeah. they're doing things. Mm. Yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, and it, yeah. we keep talking about it, don't we? It's all about the detail. You mentioned mm. earlier about instilling these things in your values and how you operate as a business. We we redid our values a couple of years ago, and the D in VIDA, 
the D is detail, detail, detail. And it's those tiny little things that actually make people's day. That's yeah. what I think. Um, sorry, I was just going to add to okay. that, actually, because we did redid our values a couple of years ago, but we actually got the staff to develop the values rather than it right. becoming a bit of a corporate exercise. Yeah. Um, so we involved staff. So straight away, they were on board. So they live and breathe those values because yeah. they actually designed them. So that's you, made a massive difference. I think if you get your values right mm -hmm. and they work, people talk, use it in their everyday language. Do, that's what do, we yeah, find. Absolutely. We know we've got them right now because people are saying, oh, yeah, yeah we're in it to go. It's all about the detail. Mm -hmm. And it's quite inspiring when you get that right. Yeah. Are there questions from the floor? Yes, over here. No. Oh, sorry. You want to go? Yep. No more. Uh, sorry. You were. Um, I really did, uh, agree with the fact that um, activities, maybe we should rethink about uh, the name of activities as the, the word of activities. However, you were talking, I think you agree, all agreeing that maybe the activities coordinator is not uh, as it should be going forwards, but more um, about making um, the staff more responsible about it. However, I would like to ask you, are you sure you are exactly using the activities coordinator for what it meant to be? Because most of the time, in my experience, is that the activity coordinator is the one that does the activity, and it shouldn't be that. It should be the, the person that of, uh, has knows the residents, knows more or less their needs, organizes the activities, and then the other does activities. Because, um, I understand it is about making it person-centered. However, we are uh, also sociable people, so we like social moments. And I can see in my residents that they, they do value a lot the moment they, they are together, they are creative or whatever they want to do. But the activities coordinator is most of the time used to get the residents to the activities, and the staff maybe don't they, don't even help them to get the residents. So. Just, I, I think that's a really interesting observation and um, what I would say is in my opinion where it's been most successful in, in a standard care home setting rather than the memory centre which is a different setup is where every staff member understands how they are part of the jigsaw of that day and that absolutely includes people like the chef you know, I love going in there in an afternoon and seeing the chef engaged in an activity, whether it's supporting residents to bake something, doing amazing fruit carving or whatever it might be. I'm, I think we're not trying to give the answers here. It's much more having a debate around what activities is going to look like moving forward because we all know what our lives look like. It's just about having that sense of value and purpose it might look different in every service. Um, so I think we're not trying to kind of straitjacket people. I think, I think that's right. I think probably a better word is facilitate as opposed to coordinate. You guys seem to do that at Horizon. You know, you facilitate situations and, and encourage people as opposed to, and there's a time and a place for everything actually. There is a time and a place to play bingo. There is a time and a place yeah. to have a singer for mm -hmm. everyone. But actually on a day-to-day -day basis, that's just not realistic and I think Sometimes there is this focus. For me, the takeaway from this is to inspire and change that culture. And it's it's not even much to do. It's a slight shift change. Yeah. To inspire staff. Have I gone off? You're back. You're back. You're bored of me. 
<laughs> thought so. Sorry about that, guys. I told him to cut you. Yeah, yeah. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. But um, yeah, what was the saying? What was I talking about then? Inspire shift. Yeah, it's about in inspiring. Uh, you know, even that slight shift change in the staff mentality to go. This is all encompassing. I can change someone's day in a positive way mm. by just taking that mini risk of saying. Like, well, you can't make your cup of tea, but you can pour the milk. Brilliant. It's yeah. a start, and it's a snowball from there. I mean, we've got an example that we use. We have a document called I Made a Difference Today form, and it's the, the staff to fill out. So they'll fill it out. I've made a difference by whatever and write it down. And they go home feeling, That's I've achieved something. I've made yeah. somebody feel good today. We've done something really well as a team or whatever. And we'll keep that in a separate file and we'll look back through it and say, look at everything that we've done. Look yeah. at all these achievements that we've made. And it works really, really well because the staff then feel yeah. empowered. And, and, the and the they've CGC done some... will love that as yeah. well, won't they? Yeah, yeah. It's one yeah. of our key values is achieving yeah. as well. So, And that's for staff as well as the people that the staff are supporting. Um, so, you know, yeah, we're absolutely But I, I think, you know, Mandy and Kath, that kind of idea is exactly what we will be covering in our Prove It or Lose It session tomorrow. This is about helping everyone at every level within your service recognize what outstanding practice is and recording it <laughs> because that is where mm -hmm. we so often fall down. That amazing interaction that happened is only in the memories of the person who delivered it and the person who received it or whatever. Yeah. No one else ever finds out about it. So I think hopefully that's where our session tomorrow will be of help. We've probably got time for one more question. Yes. Hello, so my name is Raheem. Um, I'm the founder of a company called WellPal. And we focus, essentially a concierge service for the elderly. We focus on those who are currently living in their own home. And we support with uh, companionship and assistance. So it's a helpline where people can call up and say, I'd like to do X, Y, and Z. And it's completely bespoke. Now, we've been focused on those that are not yet in care. Yeah. Uh, I, I wondered, due to the risk uh, conversation about risk, is there scope for this kind of service or this kind of um, yeah this kind of service within care care homes? Is it is it something that you might be worried about because it's too risky, or is there is there scope for this kind of service essentially? No, you don't. Okay. Um, so one, I think it's a it's an amazing thing that I think that's quite a, um, you know I'm not in dom care, uh, but. I think from our point of view, it's more about upskilling the staff and the workforce to deliver the ethos that we're trying to deliver across the group. Um, but I, I certainly think in Domcare, it's an amazing um, uh, bespoke service that... Are, are you us? I'm, I'm Caroline from the OS, and I'm from Domiciliary Care. Are you asking about the concierge service in residential? Is that what you were asking about? Yeah. So, yeah. Do you? It's already. You're delivering it generally, maybe alongside. There might be a dom care package, or there might not be. Pre-dom care. Pre-dom care. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I think, from my point of view, talking just as an operator, it's for me. It's more about from our training side of things and inspiring our staff to deliver that ethos. If that's the, the direct yeah. answer to that. I mean, I, I guess the reality might be we would, we would want for all of our residents to get the opportunity to do one-on-one -on -one activities, which may include doing things outside of the home. We know that 
you know, with the staffing pressures, that isn't necessarily something that can happen on as regular a basis as we would want. Is there a market potentially for additional paid services, the same as you would contract other services in, and people choose to pay for that? Probably there is for some people who wish to have that additional one-on-one -on -one support. Okay. I think we've probably just about reached the end of our slot. Thank you very much, everyone. Really appreciate you coming along to listen to that. And do have a look at our timetable. Attend our listening chat in half an hour. And do come back to anything else you fancy. Thank, Thank you, you. Mandy. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. The Outstanding Society is a community interest company. It's free to join and is open to everyone. You don't need to have an outstanding rating to be a member.